0: This is an SM Media production. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of Chronicle The Ranger's Journey right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We are now in the final quarter with five episodes left, but this is one where I feel we get some buzz back after. But It's been a weird few weeks in the channel where we've looked at some dark days. As we look now, we're going to look into this era of Mark Warburton. Shorter than probably a lot of people thought it would be, but it's very eventful as we'll f- soon find out in this show. To join me in this part of the journey, it's a pleasure to welcome David Marshall. David, welcome to the show, it's a pleasure to be on.
1: No, I'm glad to be here, mate. I'm looking forward to this. Um, it's a bit of a, an, an up and down show, shall we say.
0: Aye, I, I mean, it's, it's different than the last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks we focused a lot on the boardroom side of it, and as people mm. remember last week, there was a lot to get through. But this summer, before we obviously get into the appointment, it did feel as if the
1: the off-field chaos had calmed down. Yeah, well, this is the point, you know, what was it, March of yeah. 2015 when uh, Dave King and co uh wrestled control back the club from the Swivs. So it felt for the first <laughs> excuse me, the first time since um everything that happened in twenty twelve that we actually had a chance to to rebuild the club. And I think that's really where we were at this point. We were at a rebuilding stage um, everywhere. And the club, from the off-field stuff to certainly on the field, coming off a very disappointing season, uh the year before, you know, finishing third in the the championship, which I mean, even if we're going through, was still unthinkable at uh, the start going in, uh, going into that season, being embarrassed, um, in the playoffs and the absolute fiasco it was the the Murwell, Murwell game, Uh just you know. Every kick that we could receive at that point, we we were taking, and then some. So yeah, particularly these early stages of the Walton era, it was it was nice not having to worry about the people who were running your club, and you know for the for the first time in a long time, it looked like we actually had some direction.
0: Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think there was a, I think it just brought a bit of stability that was badly needed. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd for the first time in a long, long time, you actually had Rangers people who wanted the best for Rangers. And yeah. I think as well, we will go through, obviously, the kind of appointment award, Warburton, but if you remember at the time, do you remember at the time maybe there have been whispers about other managers? Because Ian Cathro seemed to be somebody that was mentioned. I know later on we've heard about like Savita Pereira, but what was your kind of thoughts about the managers managerial situation at that point?
1: I think, you know, this is certainly the guy I, I, I wanted. I, I think uh, the majority of the Rangers fans... um wanted and certainly from what I remember at the time because you know we knew what he'd done uh, down done England to this point I was an exciting young manager his team has played a good brand of football he had a record of working with and bringing through youth players and you know that that would certainly the plan I imagine would be that would have helped us on the, the off-field things as well we could develop some players and get a wee bit of money for them um yeah, I, I was. I don't remember too many more of the names that were floating around at that point. I think you know, certainly my mind was this was, this was a guy. Um, absolutely delighted when he was appointed, particularly bringing uh David Weir. Yeah, and with him, it just seemed to it seemed to be the right move, and it was an exciting one. It seemed it, honestly, it was a the most exciting managerial appointment that we'd made since um since Advocate. I, I mean, that's a little bit of hindsight because PLG was very exciting. Uh, when he first came in, but that you know that turned sour uh, fairly quickly. But no, this was, I think this was the right appointment. I think it was the appointment the vast majority of the the fans wanted. It just seemed to be uh, a no brainer at the time.
0: And he spoke very well as well. We came in in the press conference. As you said, we'll we'll next time. I think I think when you that the, the on field stability was there. The was there when we came in because it was. A club legend, somebody who'd been there in the good time, somebody just coming in to help Warburton, who obviously had done really well at uh, Brentford. But you know the weird Peruvian way of Scottish football that you usually need a Scottish, I kind of Scottish guy next to you for help. I think Gerard, yeah, you, you, you need that somebody well. gets it. Yeah, and Gerard can add that as well with McAllister, kind of later on, like somebody there just to kind of help you get it. And as I say, I think Warburton was the right appointment at the time. It made a lot of sense. He's. His pedigree spoke for itself. He had a really good attitude of bringing young players through with the next gen series. He'd worked wonders at Brentford, and it seemed to fit. And we will going into looking at some of his signings. There was a lot of a lot of signings here that you thought at the time made a lot of sense. A lot of young mm. players as well. Danny Wilson coming back was the first one. Danny Wilson was only twenty three at this point. That was crazy to me at the time, thinking like he's still really young.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same age as Danny Wilson. So um, <laughs> yeah, that was. Um...
0: Uh, yeah. Again, that was
1: one that seemed to make a lot of sense. Remember, says, me it was a free. Uh, yeah. Had a he signed for a year at Hearts and capped them to uh, the championship title the year before uh, against us. I uh, had a had a great season there. Um, looked to really be finding his form again. Maybe showing, you know, some of that promise that he did early on at Rangers before his career, you know, was absolutely hit a brick wall when he when he when he moved to 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 Liverpool. So yeah, it seemed like a a really good. Uh, uh, a really good signing for has made a, a lot of sense and particularly, you know, Danny Wilson was Davy Weir's boy, you know yeah. the, the two of him playing together and we are just telling Wilson what to do, that just seemed to, again, just make a lot of sense
0: The next three signings, three signings from Wigan equaling 600 grand Rob Kearnan, Martin Wagcorn and James Tavernier it's safe to say that 600,000 has went particularly well now in twenty twenty two, looking back at one player in particular, but at the time, three young players from England have made a lot of sense, and obviously one of those players has went on to have a magnificent time in his spell at Rangers.
1: Yeah, the boy, the boy Tav has done no bad. <laughs> it has to be said. Um, he, he's put a turn in for Rangers over the last um seven years now. My God, um, yeah, you know, I, I can't say I know an awful lot about uh, any of them mm-hmm. uh, prior to signing for Rangers, but. You know, it did seem to be the right kind of sign, particularly when you compare it to um, what we had been seeing in the, the McCoy's era, and it was a lot of old faces or... You know, it's funny, I've just literally finished recording the, the Alice show with and Hand before I did this and, you know, I used the phrase, you know, if you played SP, if, uh, the SPL at that point in 2009, we'd probably end up signing you. <laughs> um, so it was good to see somebody that hadn't played in the SPL before, hadn't played for us before, and yeah, we're young signings. And, um, you know, at, at the time, I think that the, the most um, excitement was around uh, Martin Michael, and he also had the ground running as well. So yeah, it looked, it looked to be going in the, the right direction.
0: Yeah, and there's some other good signings as well. Wes will come in. Andy Halliday, Jason Holt, Nathan Adua, who had an amazing trick and was never seen again. But again, that was obviously something different to what we thought. But the transfer window, even at the time, you thought this is the right transfer window because you could say two seasons before, we're talking about Lee Robinson, Steve Simonson, Richard Foster and things like that. So it was refreshing to see this kind of crop of young players coming through. And as we said earlier on, it's Warburton, had a history with that, so it seemed to make a lot of sense, and it was all about promotion. That was the only prerogative that season. wasn't it,
1: uh, it had to be. It really yeah. had to be. Um, I jumped a wee bit ahead of you, but like the 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 first game against Hibs in the Challenge Cup, and Hibs actually go one 0 up in that yeah. game. And I remember just this sense of dread because it was just you know, if this doesn't work, what 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 do we do? Like, <laughs> if, if we if we ever season like we did the year before, what, what to here? What's, what's the answer to, to, to fix this? So yeah, promotion was, you know, the absolute, it, it had to, it had to be this year, it would have been an absolute disaster for the club. Um Financially, you yeah. know, that could have led to some very, very tricky times uh, for us, but it just... It had to be. We should never have been in this situation uh, in the first place. You know, we were have, having to have a second shot at a championship. But we just, we needed to get out of this uh, division and end our jail sentence in the lower leagues.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we get into talking about the season on the part, there is a couple of things we obviously need to touch on. Off the part that were taking place, the EGM in June had obviously brought up the thing about sports direct and Mike Ashley, and it showed you just how bad the some of the contract Rangers were, Rangers were in at that point. <laughs> were absolutely insane. But the Sports Direct one's obviously one that was the kind of most noticeable one. Ashley had the Rangers board under a barrel, didn't he?
1: We were being ran by absolute charlatans who (laughs) were were selling everything that wasn't uh, bolted down. You know, if if Charles Green could get a pound for selling a spoon from one of the hospitality (laughs) suites he would would, would, would have done it, you know, that that Sports Direct deal was to the benefit of one person and it was to, to make Ashley. And it's, you know, the, the consequences of it we're still feeling to this day, you know, we're recording yeah. this in, in the week where the club have just been um, fined for the, the, the fixed, um, the, the, the fixed shots penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- you know, again, in a club like ours in 2012, where we need absolutely every financial revenue going for us to sell away our merchandise rights for years to get, with you know pennies, uh, to to the pound. If that was, if anyone was running the club with any good intentions to to Wales Rangers, that's a deal that wouldn't have got past you know the first phase, I thinking
0: And that's why I think, like we, we're, as you say, we're recording. That's just when the kind of current board are coming in for a bit of stack. But when you look at the, some of the. Some of the bad things that were going on, particularly we spoke about it last week in great detail about some of the bad contracts that were going on. The board went in and were horrified at what they were finding, and this mm-hmm. this kind of stuff was why, like I think, it was some was at thirty pence, and every thirty pound was going towards a shot. Like if you bought a sh- if you bought some for thirty pound in the shop, you were getting thirty pence of it was going to Rangers. That's insane. That as you say, that does not get signed. If that does not get signed, if you're a Rangers person. That's for the benefit of one man. But it just showed you how bleak that situation was. And I think I think as well, King King and the guys there deserve so much credit because they had to fight their socks off to get out of these deals, didn't they?
1: Absolutely. The border came in in 2015, you know, putting aside any current day uh, situations or in fighting that, that that's currently going on, which I, I frankly get bored of to to be quite <laughs> honest. Um you know what the the, the men did in twenty fifteen, you know, we, we should be internally grateful for yeah. they they saved the club. Uh we were going in on, in on, on one direction uh under those people I remember uh the EGM before this I think it was either in January twenty fifteen or December twenty fourteen and when it was uh, the you remember the the, the tent on the pitch yes. and had the fans at the side of the on the corner on the, the govern stand in the pissing rain and the board were literally sneering and laughing at the at the support who were absolutely en- enraged that day and you know they, they were beyond hiding it at that point. You know, they had nothing but content for us. They did not give one iota for the club. They were there to pillage Rangers and make out with what they could.
0: And obviously, as well, the other thing that was going on around about this point that kind of dragged on for a while was the the trial involving the the previous administration. Craig White's trial was beginning to to kind of develop. It doesn't actually close for another couple of years, so it does just carry on. But quickly, let's just get it out of the way. The whole period just it was a not guilty verdict. We obviously won't go into a lot of it because we can have our we can have us theories at what actually happened, but. This whole thing was just... Because the, the situation on the park had improved and it was nice to have something to distract you, but every day you were hearing other crazy things coming out of this trial. It was just a, it was just weird and something I never, ever thought would happen with the owner of Rangers Football Club and it just showed you how poisonous this whole situation was.
1: I mean, Craig White was um, the fall guy for Charles Green. I think mm-hmm. that's the game... Um, very clear over the years that like Green had his fingers in us from the, the very beginning. Um just that scumbag of, <laughs> of a man. Um if I could get five minutes alone in a room with uh, Charles Green, Craig White and David Murray, I'd be a very happy man. <laughs> I wouldn't I would I would never ask for anything else for the rest of my life.
0: And it's that thing as well, isn't it? Like now you can look back and laugh, but at the time it was just horrendous, wasn't it? Like more so
1: every single day you know Aye. it just seemed to be something else popping up and it was just um it, it was just so tiring it was draining it was depressing um and you know i remember um uh a heart and hand episode at the time not to plug more stuff i wasn't with the pod <laughs> at this point i actually remember to listen to a show at the time on my way to work and i was working a job i fucking hated at that point as well <laughs> so just everything was just awful and i remember it was i think it was around the time of the of that um the the 10 EGM and um one of the guys in the show, maybe David, maybe somebody else, said that we're just another club in blue at this point. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling this pit in my stomach because that's exactly what we were. There was nothing about Rangers at that point apart for the support that looked like Rangers.
0: No, and as you say, we spoke uh, last week as well. I have I have strong belief that that gazebo was stolen from a scout hall or something because there's no way that that just showed you even that was in the cheap. Even the EGM was just the the lowest they could get. It was just grim. And again, we won't get into too much detail regarding this trial, but I am glad to get this period over and focusing on field stuff because the Warburton, the beginning of the Warburton era, 11 straight victories, as you say, that magnificent one against Hibs, where it just seemed to click and mm. very early on. And this is why I always have a lot of respect for Warburton. And we'll touch a bit later on how it ended because we were seeing so. The, the on-field stuff was so poor and to be honest it was at the back of your mind for so long for, so for this guy to come in and really bring his own methods in and bring a real spark back to the club that we hadn't seen for so long
1: Yeah Do you know it was nice to see us uh, play football again you know it was yeah. um, nice to see us go out and you know not try and shut up 1-0 up against Forford or, or the like you know and um, playing Playing five five uh five defenders or a, a or a center, center mid uh in defense just to get get them in the team at some point um it was a you know a totally a total breath of, of fresh air it was what we we really needed we needed to enjoy going to watch our team again because yeah. those those years beforehand you know it wasn't enjoyable you were going because you went and that's what you did you went and watched Rangers regardless but. God, the, the football got in the way of you know of of, of the day out of a Saturday of seeing your mates and, and, and getting a drink. The the 90 minutes at Ibrox or wherever was just something you had to endure. So actually being able to go along to the games and, and enjoy it was, was was nice.
0: It was just it was and it was a it was a breath of fresh air, but and you could see early on that Warburton that he's, his plan was to play football. I I said before I've said before about Warburton, this whole period just showed that When Rangers want to, they can play some magnificent stuff, and the some of the passing, some of the movement was just terrific. Mm -hmm. Like Sir Tavernier, Tavernier and Wallace, in particular bombing forward, it was just so, it was so refreshing.
1: It was, yeah, and I think you know you you can't sum up any better than 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 breath breath or fresh air, and it was to see these young, exciting players, uh, come into the team, taking on teams that we knew. We were much better than and 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 treat them uh, like such and playing in a style that 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 was enjo- that was enjoyable. It was, you know, this this is how it should have been uh, from from the start when we started in in the the division three. But you know, for 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 better or worse or for whatever reasons it it wasn't. But we really we really needed this at this point. We needed something to you know, to, to, to lift us uh, as a sport, because we've been browbeating you know, into the ground, you know, just when you think that we couldn't take any more kicks in the balls, there was another one round the, round the corner waiting for us um, I, I I don't know if there was another support in the world that could survive what no. what, what we went through And I, I don't know how we, we did it myself quite frankly, it'll be something that in years to come when I'm, I'm much older and um I, I've said this a few times I can't wait till I'm like 60 at, mm-hmm. or, at Ibrox and we're having a particularly bad season or whatever and so, there's a young guy sitting beside me that goes this is the worst Rangers team ever, I said oh hold on there, <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> so but no this was um you know to, to put it real simply this, this was good
0: Yeah it was good and it was, it was a really good win and run, everything seemed to be kind of better on the park but Rangers come up against St. Johnson in the League Cup quarter final. I fancied Rangers this day. I thought they would show it. I didn't think St. Johnson were anything to write home about. But Michael O'Halloran turned into Erling Haaland for a night. And that was a weird night, wasn't it? Because O'Halloran did actually have a good game and ended up probably getting his move because of this game. And that didn't work either. Yeah, no, probably. I mean,
1: again, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, But you could maybe make the argument that this was... The first sign of, you know, some of the, the weaknesses and Walton yeah. as a manager that would come to, to bite us later on in, in his tenure. Um, it was, you know, I, I'll be honest, I expected us to, to win that night as well. You know, after the good start, I thought we might have a chance at, at one of the Cups uh, that season. Obviously, we go and, and get to the final of the Scottish Cup and that ended how it ended. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, a wee reminder that maybe we'll, we're not as far ahead as we thought. because you know there, there was talk in the, the hubris of going this, this team could this team could could uh, win the 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 SPL never mind the the, the, the championship but no he showed that
0: there
1: was still a fair bit to go there
0: was and I just remember the, the
1: that thing then. at that point was though that was still in the future so there was time to improve in that
0: yeah but as you say it kind of brought up this weird. Thing that we, I think we had in the back of our mind as well Ellie, at that point because yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of goals Rangers were scoring, but they're also conceding a few here and there, and mm-hmm. they were really dodgy goals. But I remember that night, I think Rob Keane had an absolute stinker, and it did, as you say, it did open up this wee mm-hmm. thing that oh, maybe defensively Rangers aren't great at this point. Yeah, you but, could
1: even, you could go back to the first league game against Merin, like we we're 0 up and dominant. They get yeah. a goal from from nothing, and I think that Stephen Thompson missed a. A penalty late yeah, on it to right. two, two and we, we managed to see to get a, a, a third late on, but you know, yeah, that game totally dominant. If Thompson doesn't blast his pen over the bar could have been different. So again, this is very much in hindsight, but you know the warning signs were there early on, you know, what what was a weakness early on? Never really improved.
0: No, it didn't improve and in- I remember, look, as you say, you can. You kind of think when before we kind of uh, went into great detail in this kind of uh, research and things like that. I thought that season was a completely. Like, I thought it just went well and just kept going, mm-hmm. but there was a bad wee run be- between November and Christmas where. I remember that Hibs game actually been a really bad result, but then later on, I remember a really bad performance against Falkirk, a two-one defeat, and the was a, yeah that Hibs game at, the, at Christmas felt massive because it was a really poor run from November to the, just after just after Christmas.
1: Yeah, you know that. Um, I, I'm I'm just trying to remember. I think if Hibs won that, they went ahead of us that day, did they I not? They
0: did yeah. I think it was only two points getting into that game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I've just brought up there. Yeah. So we won that to go. Uh, they they were sorry. I think they were three points behind going into it, so it made things um, um, uh, even as 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 it was. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean that was that was a huge game again. You know, because you get to that point in the season, as you said, you know, we started off really well, but then going through this, this um, this sticky patch, and Hibson himself had been on um, a, a a really good run. Like Jason Cummins was, you know, he was really turning it up for. Perhaps that that season, they also they go in front uh, as well. That was a, a massive game, and I think you seen that um, within the atmosphere. That was probably the best atmosphere we had at Ibrox for the entire time. Yeah. And the the and the the low league uh, the, the the low league sorry. I think this is probably you know out with the the Celtic semi final. This is probably the best game of of that tenure because it meant it, it, it was it was a big game. It actually meant something, and we had too many games uh, throughout this period. That, that didn't matter yeah. or we got to the point where we did play the big games in the cup and inevitably we would you know make a fool of ourselves but this was <laughs> a this was a big game where we had to show up and we actually did
0: Yeah and as you say it starts a like 10 game on beat and run apart from a wee block against Aloua but the league was kind of the league was kind of going smoothly as well the, there was some tight 1-0 wins in there as well we think it likes a, a really remember Billy King's last minute goal against Falkirk yeah, yeah. like there was some they were getting the job done. The football was good, but again, there was some tight games and it showed you that it was just, they were getting back to to where they wanted to be. And do you remember that really bad game against Polkirk where they were 2-0 up and what's C 2 That was a weird... I remember watching that in a pub and air, I think, and that was a weird... Was that
1: the one with the penalty that was about uh, a good two yards outside the box?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I think so. But Rangers had been 15 games unbeaten in the league before then, so... (laughs) the form was really good getting into that game, so that did obviously feel like a bit of a blip, because 20 minutes to go, Rangers were two up, and ended up losing 3-2, but it brought up these wee frailties again that this team did have.
1: It was you know, that's that's the thing like back in this season, as you said, you know, your, your mind plays, Jackson, you think that we just steamrolled this this season, yeah. but particularly after Christmas, you know, one, once we got a good position in the league, um, the foot you know, came off the gas a wee bit, and we were a lot of games. We were just doing enough to to get by, but you know, we 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 were getting by, and I think the team and the manager at this point had a little bit of the credit in the bank, and the fact that we were going so well, and the the Scottish Cup helped him uh, with that as well. But again, you know, there there were there were signs here. There were signs
0: there, and the Scottish Cup run as well now. We argued last week in the show that Rangers had been really poor in all all domestic outings and the, the Cups, even the Challenge Cup as well. But they were they were performing well in the Cup. They beat Kilmarnock in a replay, a last-minute goal from Nicky Clark. And then that game against Indy, where Harry Forrester scored after 15 seconds in a 4-0-1. And it set up this semi-final at Hampden against Celtic. Now, we spoke about it last week. I remember the, the season before that. Absolutely terrified, actually, when that game started against Celtic under Kenny McDowell, where I think Kenny McDowell was similar to all of us. He knew it was coming, but there was something different about getting the build-up to that Celtic game because it felt as if Celtic weren't brilliant. This wasn't a vintage Celtic team, no. but Rangers were on the up.
1: Yeah, I mean, that Celtic team... um <laughs> weren't a great Celtic team by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Ronnie Dyler basically got handed whatever it was, three league titles or whatever <laughs> he won went when when we were out, out uh out the league. And, you know, even so, we still managed to to cost another Celtic manager his, his job with this with this result. But it did feel different. You know, I went into this one very confident. I, I, I genuinely thought that 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 we could get something. I think they kinda felt it as well, you know, because in the games before this, that they had it so easy against, us, you know, that one, would only beat us 2 and and really took pity on us. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that 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 was just as bad as almost as any of the the Mullins would receive in the the following se- uh, seasons. But yeah, this this felt different, and I think you could tell straight for the start that you know the all the players in the park and both sides knew that this this was a totally um, different beast to, to what to, to what came before. We were right up for it. We're in loads of confidence. We looked like we thought we were going to win that day.
0: Yeah. And it it was a it was a thrilling tussle, Kenny Miller gave Rangers a lead early on, a really good goal. Sviachenko drew Celtic level. It went to extra time. And it was a weird thing as well that I thought extra time Rangers were the fatter team. Now that we hadn't said that for three seasons before that Rangers no. were fit. There was something different about the, the team in in a fitness sense as well, Mackay with that really good goal. And then Rogic, I think that was his first goal against Rangers and he pops up again in the next couple of weeks as well. But going to penalties, it's a lottery, but I just thought Rangers were always going to win it. I just thought Rangers had, it was Rangers' day and it felt like it. And how big was that result? Because as you say, the four years of misery that off, off on the field obviously was poor, but it felt like there were Rangers fans were rubbing Celtic's faces on it just because of how weird Celtic fans had behaved this just felt massive for Rangers and Rangers fans this was a big day
1: oh it was oh, it was huge um, you know it's still for me it's the greatest old fun victory ever because it'll never happen again you know you'll never have um a lower league Rangers side going up against Celtic or a lower league Celtic side going up going up against Rangers Um, this this can't be topped it can't be matched and this is a complete one-off that we'll never uh, never see again and yeah, as I said, I was I was confident going into the game. I remember watching this one in the Masonic in Limwood and being very confident. Um, When we get, get the first goal, go 1 one 0 up, you look at the two goals Celtic scored, and I get defensively, you know, as good as we were that game, we were poor at their two goals. Um, The second one, particularly Roderick's one, we made it, you know, very easy, which was really frustrating when you go into extra time and you get the goal, go ahead and you give away such an easy goal. But I don't know. I don't know if I was as confident going into penalties. Um, frankly, I felt sick. <laughs> <laughs> I You know, I was. I was so proud of the team for the performance they put. They, they put in. Um, to get to that point, I mean, I still have been a massive um kick in the gut to to lose it from there. But and particularly when we miss, we miss the first penalty. I'm like, oh, surely not. But I just when we won it, I just the place going absolutely mental. You know, roof getting blown off the, the pub. That was an that was an all-nighter, I can assure you. Mm-hmm. And um yeah it was it was huge at the time. You know my my thoughts at that point were this is it, Rangers are back. And that would prove yeah. to be that would prove to be somewhat uh, premature. But now you know we're six nearly seven years on from that game, which is incredible in itself to say, mm-hmm. um you could take it in isolation and just enjoy it for for what it was because it was huge at the time, because if nothing else, it was a moment of relief. We, as the support, we deserved this for everything yeah. for everything we went through. And just for, you know, even just for the one day, just to give them a reminder, like, remember who we are, we will be back for you, so don't worry.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was the thing as well, that, as you say, it felt like, it just, it felt at like that moment for that, that, that you've been scheming out for the, the four years, because... I think you've summarized it well. It was a jail sentence, but you wanted some, you wanted something from that three years or three years we thought, but it turned out to be four. What a memorable result against a Celtic, something can something that you can look back in that period and go right. This was, this was the the achievement of that period because it was grim. It was a grim period, but you had that Celtic result, and that's felt like that. That's felt like the the reward for that kind of grim period. And it would turn out to be the last win of that season. Yeah. Rangers, they'd won the week before the Challenge Cup. Again, I, I don't think you would have said to anybody that Rangers would have won one Challenge Cup out of four. But was there warning signs that that's in that period from the 17th of April? Rangers would go to Hibs, lose 3-2, draw 1-1 with Alawa, 1-0 defeat to Livingston away, and then 2-2 at home to Submarin. The league was wrapped up. Rangers were back in the premiership, but Rangers were playing the first of May and went not the cup final against Hibs until the twenty-first. But in hindsight, and hindsight it's a wonderful thing. Rangers were not going into that cup final in good form.
1: No, we were it. Um I'll be honest, even at the at the time, um I was a bit worried going into that game. I let I gave the players a bit of slack because we did we got the league. Uh, we got the league wrapped up, and I think you know naturally the foot came off the gas a wee bit. But I still expected us, you know, to do enough to grind out um, a few a few wins. Um, my worry going into that final was, and it's something that we'd seen under Ali McCoy You know, we talked that, okay, well, you know, as as poor as we are in these uh, league games, when we played the cup games, and you know, when it matters, we'll turn it on. And you, you can't do that. You can't just turn it on like a switch because this game matters. Mm-hmm. You you need to have you know uh, the the momentum behind you, and we didn't have. We, we, honestly, you know maybe we we're. I think you know as a support we were still flying off the the Celtic result, but you know as a team we we didn't have any momentum. As you said, it'd been a long time since we'd actually won a game. That Challenge Cup game you said was the last game that we'd we'd win in ninety minutes. Yeah. Um, so I. And I I I I am I'm not going to say I didn't think we'd win the the cup final. I did. I thought I thought we'd win it, but yeah, I, there was a wee bit of worry there just because of how um how stagnant we'd been since we got things uh wrapped up elsewhere.
0: And the cup finals are a weird day as well. We're we'll touching the aftermath in a minute, but the game as a whole. Hibs took a lead really on through Anthony Stokes. Muller equalised. Halliday put Rangers 2-1 in front, which felt like the, the Rangers have went behind. They'll, they'll come back and win the game. But Stokes equalised with 10 minutes to go. And then a 92nd minute corner from David Gray. Seals, Hibs first win in the Scottish Cup in 117 years. But this in the day felt like a gut punch because I I think that it was the trophy. It felt like a trophy and going into that game. It felt like, right, we'll get a trophy. We're going up. This will feel will be the reward for that period.
1: And it was just a weird, weird day. Yeah, I mean it'd have been a great way to round off that yeah. era. Um and again give a signal to the rest that we're back. Um to be perfectly honest, if Rangers won that day, it have been daylight robbery. Um <laughs> we we didn't deserve to win. That was far and away our worst performance of the of the season. Um Hibs deservedly were in front. Anthony Stokes absolutely terrorised um, Rob Kiernan that game. Um, that that first goal, I I, I can't think about it forget, without getting angry. I think Rob Kiernan backed mm-hmm. backed away so much he was in the 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 last uh, the last the last row of the Rangers end by the goal. Uh, by the time Stokes actually puts the ball in the net, it was just awful uh, defending. The fact we managed to get to one, I, I thought we would go on to win from there because yeah. I thought Hibbs would. I also thought we'd go into win for the end, maybe score another goal, because I thought Hibs will need to come out now, and mm. we should be able to pass around them and pick them off and get another goal. We see that um, just didn't happen. Um, Andy Hardy scores a wonder goal, and I think yeah. that was the only way we were going to get ahead in that game. Uh, it's a great goal by Holiday and then nothing nothing in the game really changes from the Rangers still are awful. Hibs are still taking the game to us, and <laughs> a failure to, to deal with two corners cost us.
0: Yeah, and it was a, a symbol of that game, but... Rangers had lost the Scottish Cup, but after the game, will probably be remembered more than the actual game. What was your kind of thoughts in the the post match melee that resulted in a, a pitch invasion by Hibs fans? But I can only describe as Hibs fans to the Rangers fans to to come up.
1: Yeah, um, I'll be honest, I didn't know much about it at the time. So I said, I get, I wasn't at the the final that day. I just watched mm-hmm. it in the, the pub, and we turned the telly off in the pub. Then um, almost soon as the the game was finished and then you know people are starting to hear us come through on their phones oh there's, there's trouble at the game we switched it back on and I think by that point the police had got you know everyone sorted and got the very <laughs> least Hibs fans back in their own half Um yeah I mean it's, the Hibs fans ran onto the park to and up to Rangers end to go with the the Rangers support and they got a reaction mm. Um I'm not saying that's right. Um, yeah. But if you go to people you don't, and particularly people you don't know, if you're if you're going to go to strangers, then, you know, you have no control over that reaction. And if you go to me, I'm just going to leave. But if you go to some big burlican, he might run on the park and smack you, and that's what happened. Um, <laughs> was what it was. Uh, if it was the other way around... Um, and we won that day, and we did what else fans did, um, you would never hear the end of it.
0: No, you would not. And as I say, it was just one of those weird things that happens. And again, it only only seems to happen in Scottish football when it doesn't seem to be kind of brought up again. But going into the summer, obviously Rangers were going back up to the Premiership. It felt like the the jail sentence was over. (laughs) Across the city, Celtic had obviously smartened up. I think the defeat to Rangers in the Cup had... I'm mean, not smart and them up, but I think they'd certainly wanted a reaction. They went and hired Brendan Rodgers. At the time, what did you think of that when you, when you remember, obviously, Ronnie Dial had left and Rodgers had come in? Did it feel like this was a statement by Celtic at the time?
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, um, yeah. I mean, you tell yourself all the right things in your head, you know, like, well, he, he made an arse of Liverpool. He's not really that good, but, you know... Like, you know this was a guy that was a better manager than um uh, than Plank's trade in, in, in Scotland and my 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 true reaction was ah fuck. Mm-hmm. Um maybe you know if if they kept dialer, um I'm not saying <laughs> we'd have won the league or got anywhere close, but it might have not been, you know, to the point of embarrassment that the this season turned out to, to to be. But yeah, it was um it was a statement by, by Celtic, um, and they spent a good bit of money that summer as well. And mm. you know, just that point we had absolutely no way of competing with that.
0: And going back to that summer, there was there was a real realistic expectation that I think it was going to take a of time for this Rangers team to really get back to where they wanted to be. But I mean, we'll touch on the first game, but the signings of the summer, there's some weird ones here that it's maybe a little bit different to where kind of walked the direction Wobblin went in the the season before. He brought in the two guys, Marking Stanley, Josh Windass and Matt Crooks. At the time, these felt like development players. The one signing I was really excited about that summer was Jordan Rossiter. Mm. I thought he would. I if only he could stay fat, he would have been. He he would have made it, wouldn't he? He was the the small cameras we seen. We saw a decent player there, and he would have done well if he didn't.
1: If he didn't get injured, uh, if he didn't get injured, he would probably never be at Rangers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, he, he was
1: at us for a reason, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of these great footballing tragedies. Um, his body just, his body just let him down. He was a cracking player, um, football wise, he had all the tools, and you know, if if his body could only stayed fit, he would have been playing at a much higher um level than the Scottish Premiership, but. It just was what it was. Um, it was just never going to happen for the boy, and it was a shame.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he was. I think particularly if Gerard, had, if Gerard had been able to get a tune out of him, I think he would have been a real standout. But it,
1: it, the fact that you know Gerard was so hesitant to 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 wash his hands yeah. of you him, know, shows you.
0: Yeah, I think it does, and I think I, I think it's a great what if we with Jordan Ross. But the next one, the the kind of to, the the talking signing of the summer was a 33-year-old from Burnley, who had uh, developed a bit of a reputation, David. Is that fair to say before he arrived at Ibrox?
1: wee bit of character.
0: Yes, a wee bit of a character. We are, of course, talking about the one and only Joey Barton. Joey Barton was was spotted in Glasgow. There was a bit of fanfare about whether he was going to sign. He did, obviously, sign. I don't... I Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but I remember being really excited about this because I thought, right, this guy's a character. He's going to really be that guy in the midfield that Rangers need. He's gonna be a step up. He's he was right, he was player of the season the season before in the championship. Like given his character, he is a good player. He is
1: um I'm not gonna say I was excited, but I, I, at this point I was you know all in on on Warburton. I think particularly yeah. the the other signings that he made there as well, they all seem to be, you know, his type of signings mm-hmm. so it seemed like we we had a style and direction and a way of recruiting so to sign you know a player like joy barton to, to add to that okay i i can i can go with that and i knew it was always going to go either one or two ways it was either going to be a great success or a complete disaster deep down in my heart i probably knew it was only going to go one way but you know i was willing to give him a chance because you're right if it worked you know, he could be the best player in the country, but it it was it was never got any. Eh?
0: Nah, and we'll touch on later on how it how it goes. The next ones, a, the next one at the time I thought was a weird signing. He probably comes out with more credibility from this transfer window than any other. Clint Hill from QPR, thirty seven. This felt weird because it felt against that. It felt as if it was going against the status quo of a young player. Yeah. Clint Hill was thirty seven. I don't ever really think Clint Hill was. Was a top defender in his day. I think he was a serviceable championship defender. What did you think of
1: this one at the time? Um, actually, well, you know, like Clint has been in our show and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, I love Clint as yeah. as a guy. He's a great yeah. guy. But yeah. like, honestly, at the time, um, I, I I I did defend this. You know, I I remember having quite a few arguments with my mate about this. mates about this about why are we signing this thirty seven year old defender. And you know, I just again, I thought, well. I, because I was all in on, on Walton, I, I stuck up for it. I thought, well, oh, as it's a guy with experiences, even at this point, you know, this is not hindsight, we knew there was weaknesses in defence. We knew it was an area mm-hmm. that had to be improved going up a going up a division. So what let's, this he will be good for, like Danny Wilson for for Rob Kearney. I thought, you know, my hope was that we'd have the same effect on uh, Danny Wilson that that Dave A. Weird playing playing alongside him. Um, yeah, I mean. As you say, for most transfers from that summer window, you know, Clint's probably the one that comes out with the most credit. He was certainly nowhere near uh the worst. But you're right, it does it did somewhat fly in the face of what we seem to be doing. Yeah. And on looking back at it now, it does seem to be a wee bit of at the time, just trying to get in who we could. <clears throat> and I think the other center half we signed probably proved that.
0: Yeah, I mean there was talker Julian Les Scott. There was even talker. Adrian. Yes, Mariach, I forgot I that. Yeah.
1: God. Yeah, Les But
0: yeah. Philip Senderos was the, the sign uh-huh. of that just didn't work.
1: Oh, this is why I knew I was in full delusion mode. <laughs> um I, I told myself this was going to work as well. Um I mean he was a bit of a joke figure come the end when he when he was at Arsenal and yeah, it just this is when it was just it was just never going to work. But again, you're like, okay, so, you know, he's very experienced. He's played at a much higher level in Scotland. He should be able to handle it up here. But oh god, yeah. the guy, the guy, the guy was done. And you know, you could make you can make an argument. I've ever had it in the first place.
0: There was one saying the, at the time you were thinking, right, he's thirty one. He's from New York Cosmos. What he's ob- he was obviously a massive, massively good player for Tottenham back in the day. Nico Crancha. Again, one of those maybe four obviously gets injured early on, but he was a top player. He was just obviously coming to the end of his career, but it was st- again he was thirty-one, so I kind of thought right for a couple of seasons he's yeah. going to be that playmaker. I thought this did make a bit of sense.
1: Yeah, no, this was one that I was genuinely excited about because, as you say, he was, I oh, was such a tidy player at Spurs yeah. and uh, Portsmouth before that as well, and you know one of these guys that can score for, from anywhere. Uh, I was genuinely excited about this one, and you know it, it did come with the caveat of, oh, we can just keep him fit, but you know he was his knees were gone by the time we signed him. Um, you know unfortunately, I wish I wish we could have signed him five years before this, but he'd have never been anywhere near near Rangers five years before this, so no, yeah, it just yeah it just didn't work.
0: Yeah, Matt Jones arrived from Burnley free transfer. He was kind of just covered at the time. The there's one signing of this that I didn't get, and even at the time I was, I was, I've got a lot of friends who are Kilmarnock supporters. I asked them about Lee Hodson, and they said he that he was not good enough for Kilmarnock. So I thought well, he's not going to work at Rangers. Joe Dodu arrived from Leicester again. One of those saying he was only twenty-one. I thought, yeah, a couple of years, yeah. he'll be a decent player. Rangers spent one point eight million that summer on a striker from Preston called Joe Garner. Now he's he's emerged as a bit of a cult figure. where He's obviously song and things like that, and just been a a kind of weird kind of cult hero. But was Slight he tackling
1: Christmas trees and the like? Yeah. yeah.
0: Was he good enough for Rangers? Do you think? Like, was what did you think of that signing? And how do you think he actually did in his time?
1: Right, this is one for me where uh, the Joe Garner signing did worry me a wee bit, um, hmm. because you know you ask the question then. Um, was he good enough for Rangers? I think the answer to that is no. I mean, I don't think really a lot of the players that we signed at that point were, were, were good enough for Rangers, really. But what really troubled me about this one was that he didn't seem to fit into our style of play at all. That you was know, the he,
0: thing that worried me as well.
1: Yeah, because he, he was like the the classic, you know, number nine striker who worked best with somebody playing alongside him. And that's not how we played. We played four three three with, you know, the one main... I mean focal point. That's why you know the, the roles that uh, role Wagner and Miller would, would swap out with each other through the for the previous season. So yeah, this one just did not make sense to me, and it seemed to be you know if we're bringing in a Joe Garner, you're bringing in Joe Garner and you're building the team around him. You're not bringing him in to fit in our system, which is what we did. And I I just don't know why we signed this guy. I don't. It just doesn't seem to fit us at all.
0: No, nah, I, I think that's that's what worried me as well. It just it didn't seem to fit, and it was just a weird signing. And <sighs> see Joe Garner, maybe now like a, a player, not maybe a better type of Joe Joe Garner would make a lot of sense. But at the time, it just didn't seem to fit Warburton's plan. I just didn't get it. You know, and I think,
1: a, 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 in the most obtuse way, you know, comparing them to somebody like um... Antonio Cholak now I had, yeah. the same, I had the same worries when Cholak signed for Rangers yeah. the fact that you know I just I don't think he fits into our style of play I'm not entirely sure still now that he does but the difference is that Cholak's just a quality player and yeah. the way you the way you fit him into your system is just give him the ball in the box and let him do what he does but yeah. Joe Garner is nowhere near as good a player as uh, Antonio Cholak is
0: No and he's he's not that clinical goal scorer because one thing that Rangers team did they would make chances but a lot of the time they would not take them and we'll talk about this in the next the next few minutes where the the league starts with that Hamilton game and it felt big at the time it was and Warburton said this as well and this is what I was keen to get your thoughts on he said in an interview that his heart sunk when he walked out that tunnel and he saw the going for 55 ban on the stand what do you think of that when you hear him say that that he even felt that the fans' expectations of that season were so far away from what he thought.
1: See, the going for 55 stuff annoyed me. um, Because, regardless, even at this point, we might not have thought it was possible, but any Rangers team in the top league, they missed to win the league. Yeah. That's, that's just the way of it. I can understand Warburton's frustration to that because, you know, he's right. The team was it. nowhere near at a point that we were, we were going to win the league. The club itself tried to backtrack on that, like later in the season saying that we were, we were still off it. And I was like, no, but hold on a second. You were the one that, that came up with the going for five uh, going for five slogan and we're selling season tickets off the back of that. that yeah. came up with us and now you're telling the fans to for their, their expectations. Like, mm, that's a wee bit of having your cake and eating it for me. Yeah. Yeah, right. <coughs> Again, we were nowhere near being able to win the league that mm-hmm. season. But for him to come out and say that, he, you know, his heart sunk when he saw that. Surely he must understand, though, that the expectations at Rangers are to win everything, regardless. You know, <laughs> I said we were in the third division and still thought, you know, we might have a chance to win the Scottish Cup or the League Cup. That's 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 just the way that when you're the Rangers, you're expected to win and win every week, regardless of the the quality of of the team. He, he must have known that 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 was still going to be there, and as much as the fans can reason with themselves, and you go like, well, maybe maybe no, this year, when it gets right down to it, and the games are starting, we're still expecting to win every single game.
0: And I sort of see see that side of it, but you know as well as I do that we live in the period of Rangers Twitter, we can agree it's a weird thing.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Can you
0: can you imagine Mark Wobberton coming out in a press conference like the, the day before that game saying what aim is to finish comfortably second? Can you imagine how that... Because that that clearly is was what he wants. That clearly is what his expectations were. Because if it wasn't... If his heart sung when he said going for 55 then his aim wasn't to win the league it was to probably finish second. But can you and imagine the, if he'd come the, out the, and said that? And there must have been a reason why he never said that because he knew it wouldn't fly. Exactly. So how did what do you do there though? Do you do you go over your own do you go against your own expectations and come out and say things that you know you don't really believe? Or do you go with it and just hope that you've got enough credibility in the bank that it's gonna that the Rangers fans are gonna get behind you? It's a weird situation, but I think Warburton just didn't get that side of it. And I think he was I think I don't think he was clear enough on himself with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the main things that he didn't get it, and that was really disappointing at the time to to realize. Um, because I think we all thought that he did get it, and the guy, the guy was a the guy was a winner. And I, 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 I don't know. I think the fact that you know his managerial career hasn't exactly skyrocketed since he, since he left Rangers, you know, we probably. Overinflated him, overestimated him as a manager. I still think he's a fantastic coach, and uh, I, think I think he,
0: I think the job he's in now is probably what he should be doing.
1: Yeah, it? a fantastic developer of young players and and, yeah. and, and whatnot. But um, I don't know, and uh, it was something that really soured over the course of the season as well. You think back to the first season, and you seen it like online, like every interview, every post match interview that came out, it was must see. Like yeah. fans were were you know chomping at the bit to to hear what this guy said. And then as this season goes on and on, you are getting absolutely sick of it. And hearing the same um, sound bites that were just becoming great and, you know, hearing about, you know, you, you, don't want, you don't want to lose and then hear about how good our pitch geography was, you know, that's yeah, that's just not going to cut it.
0: And the start wasn't great. The first four games, two wins and two draws, but the two wins were really tight games against Indy and Motherwell. What was your expectations going into that Celtic game? Was it... Because I, I don't remember, I don't remember fearing that game, but I don't think, I, I thought that day a draw would have been a miracle, but it just turned into a really bad day at the office.
1: I was really worried, I'll be honest, I was really worried going, in, going into that Celtic game because they were they were flying at that point as well, if I, if I remember correctly, it started off really well against Rodgers, uh, with Rogers, and going back to, to that first league game against Hamilton, and... As soon as they they, they, they they like that day, as soon as they scored, it just seemed to be like the air just left the the stadium, and all of the problems that we're experiencing at second half of the uh, second half of the, the last season, all those little worries were now magnified. Yeah, like, mm, this is a this is a real real problem now. Um, yeah, I was yeah I was really worried going into to that Celtic game, and they get the quick goals and that, again i remember, mean, I watched this one in in the pub and turned my uncle at that time and so, said, you know, this could get really bad today. Mm-hmm. Um got so bad that I was supposed to be working after uh, that game. I got absolutely blind drunk, went into my work <laughs> and got, got turned around and uh, told to go straight home, which I was, I was fine with. I went back to the pub to continue to drown my sorrows.
0: <laughs> it was a bad day, a 5-1 defeat. And, and can I it kind of just highlighted all these these bad things that were, were kind of in the back of your mind uh, there's still, yeah. a wee,
1: there's still a wee voice back in the back my head that says, if Barry McKay just takes that chance to make it two each, you never know. <laughs>
0: exactly. And it's one of those weird things, well, you look at, you remember the, the sender-oss handball and things like that? It just, it was a bad day, but...
1: Yeah, he he, uh, he meant that. He wanted off that pitch. Uh, um, he... Absolutely no doubt. He, he had no business being there in the first place. He kind of
0: does this kind of Damien Lillard kind of thing, where he just kind yeah. of balances it in his hand. It's just, it's, uh, he, he means it but. Obviously, then no, that nobody game, knew
1: more than Philip Senderos that he had no business being on that park in that team.
0: No, absolutely not. But that it kind of leads. That's that result and performance kind of leads to a, a situation in the training ground. Joey Barton, who certainly hadn't impressed a lot in his five no. games so far. I remember him getting man of the match against Hamilton as well. When I just turned around to the person sitting next to me, I was like, "What? What is he get man of the match for?" But he certainly hadn't set the order on fire. He was coming up saying that. He was going to take Scott Brown. He certainly, I mean, Scott Brown said it was easy getting up against him. But the the whole situation with the kind of what happens in the training ground now, that the kind of regular belief is, and I don't know if this is the one you've heard as well, that there was certainly a debate started about whether the, the midfield that day was the right midfield. And I think the three play the three midfielders that weren't playing that day certainly challenged the decision. It turned into a bit of a a melee between Barton and Andy Halliday. It just turned into a bad situation, and I think that was what you said earlier about Barton. It was only going to go one of two ways, and from here, it was only ever going the way it went.
1: Yeah, that was the thing with that, um, the aftermath of that game, and you heard the, you know, Barton's um, had a lot of strong words for the team, and when you hear the details come out about it, you're like, well, he's not really saying a lot lot wrong, but... Mm -hmm. Who is he to be saying yeah, Because exactly. he's, he's one of the problems, you know, and you're right, as you said, he, he comes up here and, you know, he's bumping his guns saying he's going to do this and that to sell take to Scott Brown. He's going to be the best player in the country. And like, well, we're, we're sitting here waiting, Joey.
0: Yeah. And it was that thing as well. Like, although in the back of your mind, you thought it could go this way, you wanted it to work because it was it would benefit Rangers, but it would just it was just a disaster an absolute disaster. And I think Warburton as well. I think this was a wee alarm bell as well. I don't think Warburton handled this well at all. Like, he wasn't, he didn't come out. Like, can you imagine, like, Sir Walter Smith dealing with that? Walter Smith would have dealt with it. He dealt with it with Ferguson to a degree, where he put his foot down. I don't mm-hmm. think Warburton really did here.
1: No, because it seemed to drag on, yeah. and the actual decision you know, was, was a bit of a mess and, and took its time to come out. Um I mean, ultimately, he was done after this, but it should yeah. have been an, a, an immediate thing. I it's not really hindsight to say this, because we knew this could be happening. It's just something we should never really assign. He wasn't good for the team. He wasn't good for where the team was. At that point, it's not the kind of character that we needed. And it was really only ever going to go one way.
0: Mm-hmm. It was going to go one way. A couple of bad results after that. Ross County 0-0 and then a 2-1 defeat to Aberdeen away. James Madison scored a, an injury time free kick. But it was I never a free to, kick. It was never a free kick, but I think it was just a weird... That was a weird day. i watched that in the Iberts Bar and Benadon. That was a, a weird day. The next game I want to talk about is the 23rd of October. Rangers play Celtic again at Hamden in the, the League Cup semi-final. This, to me, felt worse than the 5-1 game because even though, as you say that, that five-one game, Rangers, they weren't they weren't great, but they were creating a couple of chances. I remember one das in particular, Chinab doing do okay in that game, Mackay's chance. That semifinal, Rangers had Rangers offered absolutely nothing, and if it wasn't for Matt Jokes, it would have been an absolute hiding again.
1: Yeah, uh, this was yeah just a weird day because we offered nothing. We seemed to. Yeah, I, I mean, suppose, understandably, we've just been spanked with him a few weeks before, but we just tried to sit in and mm-hmm. keep keep Celtic at bay. That, uh, I remember, you know, the the one where Barry Mackay uh, went down in the box early on, it looked like the referee gave the penalty initially, and then uh, Craig Thompson, funnily enough, ends up putting Barry <laughs> Mackay for a dive. Uh, honestly, I can't remember if it was or wasn't a dive, Um, so I'm not really... Not really going to see either way. Um, I just yeah, Matt Giltz had a really good game that day. Um, and yeah, he scored late on. Uh, and when the game didn't didn't matter when the goal was going to come that day, it felt just an inevitable, inevitable yeah. that Celtic were going to going to end up winning that.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, league results do get a bit better. There's a, there's some wins in there. Athena won against Comanock. The thing that alarms me though is there's a couple there's a couple of games. A one 0 one against Indy, Harry Forrester a 92nd minute winner, a 2 one win away to Park at Thistle with a, a late do Joe Dudu goal. Yeah. It wasn't convincing, was it? But they were playing okay, but it just it wasn't convincing at all. It wasn't it wasn't what you thought when you at the start of the season. It was just so much different than what you expected it to be. Yeah, I mean you
1: look at the um... You look at that Dundee game, you know, this is a team that we absolutely ran over the top of just a couple yeah. of months ago, and now we're we're scraping by, we're scraping by Partick Fist. So uh, it, it felt like these wins uh, were just papering over the cracks. There was something seriously broken in the team.
0: Mm-hmm. And that would get confirmed in the 30th of November, a 2-0 win, a 2-0 defeat against Hearts. Robin Muirhead with a double and Robbie Nielsen's last game before he went to MK Dons. This was a that there's a there's a hearts game that we'll touch a touch on in a couple of minutes that ju- that's a lot worse than this, but this felt like a terrible night.
1: This was it for me, to be honest. Uh, this is when I went, "Nah, he's, this isn't going to get, this isn't going to get any better." Um, was, we were absolutely rotten that night, absolutely mm-hmm. rotten. Barely lay a glove in hearts. It was probably one of the easiest ones he had all season up until they played us again later on in the season. Um, yeah, it's this was for me when I just thought nah, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to turn it around. I don't think he's got you know because the the aim is to get to the point where we're winning leagues again. And I'm just mm-hmm. looking at this guy now thinking I don't think he's got what it takes to take us to to a league title. I don't think we're ever going to get there with him.
0: Yeah, to be fair, after that it was a bad night, but Rangers won the next four games. A draw against St. Johnson, but it's going into the second old format, at the, the Hugman A. Rangers take the lead through Kenny Maller. I remember that that feeling, just a great feeling but then after that Celtic turned on the style. Celtic were pretty good later on that game but I remember specifically going getting home that day and talking to my dad and my dad said that was probably Rangers at their best against Celtic and Celtic mm-hmm. just, all Celtic had to do was just hit another gear and it did the more you think about it, it felt like that because I think Rangers probably couldn't have got any better that day and I think Celtic just they could pull it up just to whatever level they wanted to
1: I think that sums it up perfectly in that first half particularly we played you know really well yeah um, and it was really frustrating because I remember their the, the equaliser was really poor uh, it was a us. terrible
0: yeah, it was a terrible goal
1: and that, you know again that felt like them getting that goal just took the wind out of us because we'd played so well and but we just couldn't hold out to take a lead in to half time and then in the second half, you're right. Celtic put their foot in the ball and up to a level, uh, got a second goal, and that 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 was that was it. They just they had that. We were playing at a maximum, and they had that extra gear to go up that we didn't.
0: Yeah, I think that's yeah and yeah. Celtic were they were on they were in an incredible season, but I think it just showed you that Celtic were so far ahead. But the January window, Rangers make two more signings: John Terrell and Emerson Hyman two young players. David, I've always been under the, the suspicion with Warburton that he was all that he was planning for next season. But like he was he didn't want to kinda he obviously would have looked at that team and went, I really need four or five top quality players, but I think he was planning for the next season at this point. Because these two guys they were decent enough. I thought Hyman was actually okay, but I've always been under suspicion that Warburton just didn't get the the to play at Rangers, you can't just be a tidy player. You need a lot more. You need character. And these signings did not say that to me. And I think that sums up Warburton's signings at this point.
1: Yeah, because memory serves me. They were both just until the end of the season yeah. as well. And that, yeah, you know, Emerson Hyman was all right. He did, he did a job while he was here. Um, John Terrell, you know, no. <laughs> no, the guy looked like he was, uh, you know, wanting for a syrup most most of the time. (laughs) We we needed uh, that that was really frustrating from a fans' point of view because we needed signings to come in and do something. And two young guys on loan just weren't what was required at that point.
0: And that was the thing as well, like it doesn't the results don't get any better. And it leads on to this famous night at time Castle where I, I remember my dad who had been really I keep mentioning my dad in this episode, but he absolutely loves Mark Warburton in the first season because he was bringing this, I mean, we are recording this the night after Man City at Blacks Man United and my dad phoned me and said that is the, that's one of the best performances he's ever seen from a football team, just how well they play football. And my dad's a huge fan of that, but he said that night, he said, Raiders can play all the good football they want, the defending is horrendous. And that was the night he says Warburton's just no got it.
1: Yeah, if, God, this was this was awful.
0: That was horrendous.
1: Yeah, that's an absolute disaster from from start to finish. Um was this a night as well um that he took Emerson Hyman off and he got asked about it and he said, Oh, we need to look after um we've got a duty to the parent club or something. Yeah, he, that's got right, absolute, yeah. he got absolutely polarized for that. And rightly so, because again to me that just massive red flags at that point because Although there's an element of truth for that, that's not a mindset you can have when you're at Rangers. That's fine if you're the Brentford manager, but it's not good enough for, for the Rangers manager. And that's why, you know, we don't make a lot of... It's why we don't make a lot of youth signings in the journey transfer window, because to what end? You know, if we're making a, a loan signing in January, it's for them to come in and do a job for us for six months, not to, not to you know, to improve his uh, prospects for, for his pay- playing club. That's not of in- an interest to us. There's also an understanding yeah. of that if we make these kind of signs at the start of the season. You know, a guy like Ryan Kent, when we first brought him in loan, obviously you understand that that there could be a chance that he's here for one year, we never see him again. And Liverpool will have, uh, have a keen eye and see what he does here. Mm-hmm. But for a January transfer signing, it needs to be, you know, worst example in the world, but somebody like Arn Ramsey coming in because we're bringing him in here, not to the benefit of Juventus, we're bringing him in yeah. here because we think he can do something for us for, for, for six months, and yeah, it was just just just, a, just a, a, an awful night, and even at that point, you know, Ian Castro is in at Hearts, and he's already you know, pro- probably a bit unfairly, but he's been polarised, and you know, bullied by large yeah. sections of the Scottish media for being the geeky wee guy with a laptop, and as much as I, you know, shouted against that at the time, couldn't help feel that after we just we um when the full time I went, uh, going fuck me, we've just been beat for one by the geeky wee guy with a laptop.
0: And that's the thing, like as well that I think you've had a really interesting point that I was kind of kind of bring up at the end, like when you're the Brentford manager and you say something like we need to protect the parent club, you can get away with it. Because Brentford does not high expectations. And I think a lot of managers suffer from this when they go to a big club. Like would it be fair to say, David, that maybe his budget at Rangers and his budget at Brentford wouldn't have been all that different at the time? Like in terms of like I don't think Mark Warburton certainly got the budget his successor would have the the summer after.
1: Yeah, I bet you're looking forward to talking about that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're probably not wrong, maybe even got a wee bit more than he would have Brentford at the time, which is depressing now considering how they could outspend as a yeah. uh, ten if not a hundredfold but yeah, <laughs> no, you're, you're right Um, I'd say we didn't spend a lot of money because we didn't have money to spend.
0: Um, yeah, and I think that's it as well I think that Warburton I'm like, say Warburton took the job maybe the season after that, I think he would have got a lot more money, they'd have been interested to see who he brought in because he did have this like he, he developed, like James Tarkovsky was a, a Warburton project that he he got a lot. The Brentford got a lot of money for. Like he's he did have that ability to bring through players. I just think at the time that he thought the budget he was getting, he was bringing in kind of mid mid championship, like kind of high league one type players. And you know yeah. as well as I do, unless there are really big characters who have the the big as as I say the big game mentality, it doesn't work. And you see that it, like a lot of these signings didn't work. And I think that's always the the thing that sticks me with Warburton. But there's one more game to talk about in the Warburton era. One one draw over Ross County. And I remember they've been booze at full time. And I'll be honest, I didn't think this would be the last game of the Warburton regime, but I didn't no. think it would get any better after that.
1: No, I was I was pretty much the same. Um, I I didn't think it was gonna get any better, but um I will be honest, I probably still expected them to see out the season. Yeah uh, at, at this point. Um I think I don't know if I Bit of hindsight there, but you know, it certainly was a surprise when he left. I didn't expect this to be his last game. Um But you know, I just felt at this point we were just marking time. I didn't see it getting any better. I, I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm a good couple of months into thinking that this guy isn't going to be the guy to get us to mm-hmm. where we want to go. And you know, as you said there as well, about your dad loved Warburton, so did I. And you know, yeah. I, I thought it would have been great if he would have been the guy to to get us to that to that point. But you know, it was the same under Ali. i had to, God, if you were to pick somebody to take yeah. 255, you couldn't have picked anyone better than Ali McCoys. But ultimately, the the the, the what, what what's good for Rangers outweighs how you feel about the individual. Mm. And this this guy just wasn't the answer for Rangers. He wasn't going to take us to where we want to be. It's you know an interesting point you make about the money's predecessor would uh, take the uh, or his successor would take uh, the next summer. Um, I, I I again I. Don't think either guy was the answer. Certainly Pedro. Yeah, no, definitely. But if, if Pedro was the answer, I, I don't know what the question was. But <laughs> I'd, I'd like to to seen Warburton. You know, if I if he had to say between the two, I'd have preferred Warburton getting the money that Pedro got.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll we'll review that at the end, looking at what what Warburton would have done maybe if things were different. But let's let's get to the tenth of February. This is a weird day for me, and I'll explain why in just a second. Mark Warburton, David Weir, and Head of recruitment for Ant Parland what had left Rangers and Graham Marty was put in charge. David, where were you when you heard this news? Because it's probably not as weird as where I was.
1: Oh God, I can't even mind.
0: I was sitting in the hydro watching still game and getting <laughs> my phone was going mental with I think I put it in silent and vibrate or something. I kept getting texts saying Warburton's resigned, Warburton's resigned, and getting out actually during the during it to actually find out what was going on. And there's a there's a lot to unpack here with what happens. One side say that they were sacked. The other side say that Warburton and, and David Weir had offered the resignation because they were going to go and take a job in Norton Forest. I know who I believe. I'm not going to. I'm going to ask you as well what you think, but I'm not going to speculate what the actual story is. But I know what side I come down on.
1: I think he wanted a way out. You know, I mean. The fact that he leaves us and goes to Nottingham Forest, um, it's very you know, if if that's a coincidence, it's one hell of a coincidence, yeah. you know. Um, I, I don't know, maybe maybe he changed his mind, um, but I certainly think he was looking for a way out, and maybe the board were as well, to be honest. And they were like, "No, listen, if you if you said you're going to go, you're gone, and and that's it." Um, I think it was probably. The best things for both parties at this point. Mm-hmm. I said I, I don't see them turning it around, um, or at the very least, you know, turning it to a point to take us to where we want to go or where we get eventually under Stephen Gerard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, you know, I pretty much side with the club in this one.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think that's exactly what happened. I think I think they get cold feet and what they were actually trying to do. I, I think. Uh I, the weird David Weir one's weird weird about this because was there a case of loyalty to Warburton maybe went over war loyalty to Rangers? Because like for example if Warburton was to leave of his own accord, like just a week in a of hypothetical thing, if Warburton was to resign, would it been weird maybe taking that job in a caretaker role as opposed to Murray? Like that's just always one yeah, yeah, thought I've so. had mm-hmm. like I weird the David Weir thing's always been a funny one to me. Like what actually happened to him? I'd love to ask him, but yeah, just... you
1: know, the, the Davy Weir part of it, you know, at the time hurt me more yeah. than than, than Robertson to be honest. Um, you know, Davy was one of my favourite Angels players ever. Yeah. For, for what he what he came and did with us an age was was absolutely incredible. It led us to three league titles, a European final and a, a handful of cups. Just incredible. Um and it had to be epitomized everything good in a rangers player you know i think he he was almost the, the stereotypical rangers player if you're to draw or create a rangers player it would come out looking sounding and acting like like david Dave, weir so yeah that 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 did hurt um i suppose again with the benefit of you know nearly five years to of one five years to, re- to reflect on it now um so very well saying, you know, that he doesn't leave with Warburton and he stays takes the care to a manager job. But I mean that could just mean that he's out of a job anyway in three months. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's one of those what I spot. Can I closing the show, talking about this whole period, like we spoke on it earlier. Like it's one of those things of you we we all bought into Warburton and how well he spoke, as you say, come in he brought a spark back, he gave us something that we'd been missing for four years, just this misery that we're going through, and Warburton had brought that, played some really good football. It was just a, you were more disappointed than anything, that it just hadn't worked. You were um,
1: really disappointed, because I I generally thought, you know, at the time, this was going to be the guy to get us back Mm -hmm. to the top of the pile. Um, You look back at those, the early days and the football we were playing was great. You know, breath of fresh air, as we've said about a hundred times. Um, the win over Celtic in the uh, final, something that loves for me forever. One of my favourite memories, Watton um, because it was so needed. Um, but it's just, it was really, really disappointing um, how it ended and, you know, how it how it played out. Um, and it ended in such a, a bitter note as well, because this is a guy that was, you know, six months previously, absolutely adored by the Rangers yeah. support. They could do no wrong, but yeah, again, we go back to that thing about pit, pit, Uh, him having a, you know, his heart sinking or a pit in his stomach, whatever. <laughs> You're only as good as your last result at Rangers, mm. and I just again, we're trying to reflect on it now, I just don't think he got us, he just didn't get it up here. Do you
0: think, do you think that was it, or do You think it was maybe a case? Of if, let's say for example, he gets 10, 12 million that summer. Does he? Does he go for the same level of player? Does he go for? Does he try his best to kind of go to the higher, like in a Premier League market, and maybe bring in some gems? Or do you think it just it was just a bad uh, the the way the club was at the time where money wasn't what it would be later on? Like, do you think it could have been different if he had more? More investment in has way? possibly,
1: um, you know, he leaves us after that West County game, and we're sitting a point behind second. Mm-hmm. We end up finishing third that season. Yeah. Uh, after Murray and Pedro comes in to, to, towards the end, <sighs> does it get any better that season, or does the decline just keep happening? Because mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. If he he stays to the end of the season and we give him another season and he gets the budget that Pedro did that summer, will it get better the next season? Possibly. Would we finish second? Possibly or probably. Um, But I think there was always going to be a glass ceiling uh, on Mark Walton. I think second, maybe a cup or two, uh, was always going to be the limit for Mark Walton. I don't think he was going to be the guy To take us to a league title, to take us back to um, competing in Europe the way that uh, Gerald and Van Bronckhorst has has done now, I just think it might have got a second season, might have been better on this one, but it was probably not going to get any better than second.
0: And on the next episode of the Rangers' journey, we will look at the successor to Mark Robert and Pedro Cusinha as he comes in. And very early on, we see that alarm bells are ringing and ultimately results in the club having to go back to the drawing board and appoint a new manager who would actually turn round to be a gem. David, I want to thank you for joining me in this week's episode. It's been an absolute pleasure and I really appreciate it.
1: No, I've enjoyed that, mate. I could uh, <laughs> be looked down memory lane there
0: really enjoy it thanks very much for coming on and thank you to everyone that's tuned in and please join us on the next part of the Rangers journey